0: Welcome to Jury Duty, I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who was accused of murdering his son, Paul, and his wife, Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. Before we start this episode, a quick word about another Crime Story Media production. October 2014. Was David Martinez responsible for killing Pomona SWAT officer Sean Diamond? That's at the heart of Night Raid, a new podcast from Crime Story Media. Subscribe or follow wherever you get this podcast. In our last episode, we presented the second part of our review of the testimony of Colleton County Sheriff's Captain Jason Chapman, the senior officer who responded to the scene of the Murdoch murders, as the witness helped establish for the jury the geography of the Murdoch property. In this installment, we continue our look at Captain Chapman's testimony as the prosecution concludes the direct examination and the defense begins its cross. That's all coming up right after the break. It is late afternoon on January 26th, 2023, the second day of the Alex Murdoch murder trial. South Carolina Assistant Deputy Attorney General David Fernandez continues his direct examination of Colleton County Sheriff's Captain Jason Chapman. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor Fernandez asked Captain Chapman to stand and point to the areas where Paul and Maggie's bodies were found. The witness pointed to the area near the feed room amid the kennels for Paul's location and an area near the airplane hangar shelter for Maggie's. The prosecutor's next line of questions relate to footprints that were found near Maggie's body and alongside the hangar shelter. Fernandez shows the witness photographs as he questions him. Did you
2: become aware through the course of your investigation of uh, footprints on the side of the hangar? Yes. How did that occur? What what brought your attention to that first, and what did you do as a result?
3: Uh, Detective Rutland approached me at some point in time after her arrival with the search warrant that she had located a set of prints. The prints appeared to be a flat-style print, like a flip-flop or a sandal of some type, and that they were to the left of this hangar door in the dirt underneath the left lean-to of the hangar. And if you mean to the left of the door,
2: uh, in the image, do you identify an orange uh, lawnmower there? That's correct. In between that mower and the wall. If you would, describe what you did and what you and Detective Rutland decided to do to examine these footprints.
3: She came over and alerted me to the presence of the footprints or shoe impressions. I went over with her. We started at the side of the hangar here that you see in the image by the orange mower at that particular point. You could only see those sets of tracks or shoe impressions in the dirt. We then walked around the other side, and you could see that they were also on the other side of the hangar, the far side of that structure. So then we made the decision to walk a line off of those tracks from one end to the other, to ensure that there was no evidence of uh, firearms, blood, anything underneath that hangar along those shoe impressions, which... We did not locate anything but the single set of t- uh, shoe impressions. And they appear to go from one end of the hangar to the other, turn around and come back.
2: I'm show you what's been entered into evidence as in State's Exhibit 193. Are you familiar with that location? Yes, sir. Is that a, a still image of the area between the hangar and that lawnmower? It is, sir. And is that the location where you notice the treads, the, fo- the footprints? It is, sir. handing you what's been marked as State's Exhibit 194. Could you please describe
3: what you see in that picture? Uh, This is a picture of the footprints along the edge of the hangar structure. Handing you what's been marked and entered into evidence as State's Exhibit 195. Please describe what you see in that picture. Again, another photograph depicting the shoe impressions along the edge of the. And those are
2: the shoe impressions that you personally viewed uh, on scene at at Moselle. Yes, sir. I'm also marking, handing you what's been entered into evidence as States
3: Exhibit 200.
2: Are you familiar with what that is a picture of?
3: These are the shoes that were on Miss Maggie at the time. I believe they're uh, crime scene or, or autopsy photos from afterwards.
0: Prosecutor Fernandez shows a crime scene photo from the rear of Alex Murdoch's SUV.
3: Townshend, i a, a
2: rear view of the car operated by Mr. Murdoch that night. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Are those headlines directly aligned with where Paul's body would have been laid? Yes, sir. And from this perspective, where was Maggie's body located? Uh, Close to the front of the Green Ranger to the left of the vehicle. And from which direction did Mr. Murdoch indicate he drove to the scene from? Which direction would that have come from?
0: Bottom right-hand corner of the picture that you're seeing now. The witness is indicating that the road that runs perpendicular to the driveway leads back toward the Murdoch home.
2: Captain Chapman, I'm just asking you to identify just very quickly. These are stills the video feed. What does that show? Dirt road between the hangar and the dog kennels. Okay, that would be States Exhibit 192. This is States Exhibit 191.
3: And what does that show? Like we said, a cleaning shed, uh, processing shed for animals. Had a walk-in freezer floor with a
0: drain in it this is an image of the building opposite the airplane hangar and to the left of the grassy area where Alex Murdoch's vehicle was parked
2: I'm showing you States exhibit 190 what is that uh, image of looks like the area the first two kennels closest to the the that, uh, does that reflect the two kennels uh, with the two dogs uh, on either side closest to the feed room closest to the feed room and I'm showing you what's marked as States exhibit 189 that's the um, is that another close-up of the water? That's close-up of the water just outside the feed room. And I'm referring to the pictures we just reviewed. This would be State's Exhibit 193. Is that where you physically walked with Detective Rutland? It is, sir. And to be clear, when you observed the footsteps in the, in the sand there,
3: were they the only footsteps present? There was only One style of shoe impression when we first observed that went from one side of the hangar to the other and back, and it was that smooth style shoe impression. And you say there and back. Does that mean the footprints, to
2: you, indicated they had walked one direction and then walked the opposite direction back? Is that what you're referring to?
3: Yes, sir. We weren't able to tell at which point, which side they entered initially, but they walked completely from one side of the hangar all the way underneath the lean to to the other side of the hangar or turn around and come back.
2: I'm now v- showing you what's been marked as State's Exhibit 194.
3: Describe the types of treads we're seeing in this in this picture if you could. If you remember, I stated earlier that after locating the shoe impressions, Detective Rutland let, let me know that the impressions were there. I went over, we checked both sides and realized that they ran what we could tell with a flashlight from one side to the other. So we made the decision to, to walk straight through, keeping the uh, shoe impressions that we were concerned about in between ourselves and the wall of the hangar structure, never crossing those actual shoe impressions. We went from one end to the other just to see if they were joined by any other shoe impressions, if there was any blood, if there were any weapons, so forth. We made one trip down and back, and we did not locate anything. And
2: I'm now showing you what's been marked as State's Exhibit 195. Would that be a close-up of these uh, impressions that you observed? It is, sir. And specifically the items in the uh, middle with the flat tread, um, those were the, those were the, would those be
3: the prints that you noticed that night? Those were the ones initially identified by Detective Bruntlet and pointed out to myself. The ones with the shoe impressions with the actual designs that would be left of those in this photograph, those are myself and Detective Runtland.
2: I'm going to move to publish what's been marked as and entered into evidence as states exhibit 196 and 197. These are images of sensitive nature. Have the cover sheet. I've advised counsel and our table to obscure the monitors, showing you what's been marked and entered into evidence as states exhibit 196. Are you familiar with what this is an image of? Yes, sir. What does this
3: show? That's the lower portion of victim Maggie's body.
2: Specifically referring to the lower portion of her body, but her, but her footwear. Were these the footwear that you observed on her that evening?
3: That, those are the, the appear to be an accurate reflection of what she was wearing the night I was there. Were you able to compare those
2: the general size and shape of those foot treads to the ones that you personally observed on the side of that hanger?
3: General impression, they are similar in nature and design and size. There were no measurements physically taken by myself for Detective Rutland. I'm publishing what's been
2: marked and placed into evidence as State's Exhibit 17, sorry, 197. And this is a similar photograph with just a slightly different angle. Is that the same treads
3: and same footwear that you observed previously? What we believe that what we saw on the side of the building is a, is a very close match as far as design and size as to those.
2: I'm showing you now what's been marked and placed into evidence as State's Exhibit 200. Uh, do, are you familiar with that? that I, I know you already described it, but tell us again what we're looking at.
3: Again, those were the shoes that were removed from uh, victim Maggie's body at the scene and the ones that we were visibly comparing the shoe impressions to.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: Prosecutor Fernandez next moves beyond the shoe prints and Maggie's footwear to other questions about his actions at the crime scene on the night of the murders.
2: Did you at one point have a, a be on the lookout or a bolo placed on any in
3: particular in a vehicle that night? Yes, sir. Uh, I believe I explained earlier that we had asked if anything was missing from the scene and trying to determine how Maggie and Paul got to the dog kennels. And after checking the F-150 that was in the picture we showed you earlier, the dark-colored F-150, and that the Ranger had a flat tire, neither one of those matched up. We, I, I actually asked uh, Mr. Murdoch if he knew how they got down there, and he said he wasn't sure, but they should have driven Paul's truck, which was described as a Ford, a white Ford F-250. We noticed that the truck wasn't there. It wasn't up until that point that Mr. Murdoch. Probably with everything going on, did not realize the truck wasn't there. And at that point in time, to our units at our agency, it was boloed out as possibly having been taken from the scene or removed from the scene. Were you able to locate the car eventually? Uh, that, again, that was done sometime that night while we were on scene the very following morning. And I'd have to look back at notes to tell you exactly, but I believe it was around ten thirty, ten forty-five the next morning. That vehicle was located just inside Hampton County. Off of Highway 63. Captain Chapman, referring back to the tire tracks, I know you spent some effort trying to identify the source and
2: origin of those tire tracks. When you were attempting to investigate those tire tracks with
3: Detective Rutland, did you have a chance to then observe Mr. Murdoch's demeanor? Yes, sir. And we discussed, you know, there were there were changes at the time. What kind of changes? He did appear very upset. Heavy breathing. Yeah distraught. When we asked the specific questions in regards to the tire impressions and we began looking at the tire impressions, it was just a a change. The the breathing slowed and he began to watch us work more closely, sometimes out the corner of his eye. And after we moved away from that area with the tire impressions, the demeanor change returned back to upset. No further
0: questions from the state. Thank you. Captain Chapman. Fernandez returns to the prosecutor's table and cedes the lectern to the defense.
1: Captain, my name is Dick Carpiglia, and I don't think we've met before. No, sir. Um, I represent Alec Murdaugh. Let me ask you a couple questions. One, and let me deal with these in a different order. You indicated that if Mr. Murdaugh had tried to take the pulse of his dead son on his neck or his wrists were under him, did he indicate to you he had tried to roll his son over? To me,
3: no, sir. He did, he did not. Okay,
1: tried to move him at all.
3: Secondly,
1: if he did get blood on his fingers or hands, were you aware that there was blood found on his shorts?
3: I was not, sir. Again, my ob- I was asked only about my visible observations and just did not see anything at the time. Right,
1: nothing on his shirt. To no, sir. Okay.
3: And I was unaware that anything was found.
1: But you're not saying that he, I mean, you didn't see anything that would confirm, but, but he didn't smear That's blood correct. on himself. Right.
3: That is correct.
1: But you're not saying that he, you have evidence he didn't try to check the pulse of his dead son.
3: I am not. No sir. Okay.
1: And I think you indicated that his demeanor was consistent with somebody who had just found his wife and son butchered.
3: His demeanor upon my arrival in and initial conversation with him was one who was of someone who was upset.
1: Okay. Now let's talk. Just a moment ago, you said something about when uh, you started looking at the tire tracks on the grass in the grass.
3: It was a change of demeanor, yes, sir. Well, a change of demeanor
1: that perhaps he thought you had some evidence that would point to the killer of his killers or killer of his wife and child.
3: Are you asking me if that was the change?
1: Was was the demeanor consistent with that?
3: It was simply a change in demeanor. Right. Could Could, it be? Yes. Sure, it absolutely could be. It was just a noted change in demeanor. His interest Exactly.
1: right. Yes, sir. You were over there looking at tire tracks. And perhaps you had discovered a different car or a different tire track, or and did you follow all those tire tracks?
3: We attempted to follow out everything we could. As I mentioned earlier, it was just impressions, dew impressions, wet impressions, not actual tracks. Did um, you take pictures? By the time that we did that, the rain started and Sleds Crime Scene was arrived. Again, we were rushing against the weather. The images I believe we discussed earlier were the only ones captured by body cam. And,
1: and, and it, it's the body cam is, is not.
3: Our focus at the time was to secure the the largest items of evidence that were identifiable to make sure that the weather didn't damage them, and by that time, sled team was on scene.
1: Okay. And now there was two other sets of tracks. One of them coming out of the shed. And I believe your notes indicate that was the caretaker or the caretakers. Now was that the caretaker that took care of the dogs or somebody else?
3: There was a set of tire tracks or impressions that went through the dirt underneath the uh, hangar right. lean-to. Uh, initially, we didn't know whose they were, what vehicle had left those tracks, and the drone footage, you can actually see the agent still processing those. I believe that later I was told that they matched the entire tracks of someone that came to take care of the dogs. Okay.
1: Now, we heard from the fire chief a little while ago. Were you here in the courtroom when he said No, sir, there? I was not. Okay. He indicated that there were, on the road that led out to the Moselle Highway, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Okay, so, were you informed that the Chief of Police had found some tire tracks on the road leading in uh, or out from to the Moselle Highway behind, and if you look, it's upstream. This road where the cars are parked on either side of the road, that is that road, correct?
3: For clarification, the chief of the fire department or chief of the police department? I'm
1: sorry, chief of the fire department.
3: just want to make sure I was answering correctly, sir. Uh, yes. yes. I was not made aware by Chief McRoy of anything back there, but it, it doesn't mean that he didn't see something.
1: He apparently informed your deputies of that. They never communicated that to you?
3: I was not made aware of any tire impressions of potential evidence down that driveway.
1: I think Sergeant Green. Yes, sir indicated that it was communicated to him by the fire chief. Were you aware of that?
3: I was not, sir.
1: Till I just said it, you were not were not aware of that?
3: I was not made aware of anything that they believed was a possible extension of the scene that went down that driveway. No, sir, I wasn't.
1: If the fire chief had seen, you testified he saw a distinct tire tracks on that road, he thought it had some evidentiary value, not a police officer. Would, had you been made aware of them, would you have taken photographs or... I guess they don't use plaster casts anymore.
3: That's... We still do. Yes, sir. I would have done my best to preserve it, w- whether that meant photographic form or protection by other means from
0: the approaching weather. I would have. Dick Harpudlian puts body cam footage back up on the court's TV monitor.
1: Now, if you'll watch where I'm pointing.
0: Yes,
3: sir.
1: These are the do- that's the dog shed right there, right?
3: That is correct, sir.
1: And... Right around in here would have been where Paul's body was,
3: close to the end of that
1: structure. Right. Yes, sir. And Maggie's body would have been on which side of this of uh, Alex's car?
3: The uh, end of the red roof on the driver's side.
1: Right. Now, are you aware and, uh, that he discovered the body, called 911, drove back up to the house, and then came back down?
3: From listening to his statement. And from the 911 call, I was aware of it. And yes.
1: I mean, he went and got a shotgun came back. Yes, sir. And the shotgun was there, which sort of corroborates um, his statement, right?
3: I was made aware of that, yes, sir, that Sergeant Green uh, took the shotgun from him upon his arrival and secured it.
1: And you can also hear the seatbelt dinging going on as he drives away, you know?
3: You can hear that in the background of the 911 call.
1: So this is where he came back. Not necessarily when he pulled up to begin with, correct?
3: My understanding that is the way the vehicle was when he returned, returned. and the initial officers arrived on scene.
1: Right. So you don't know where the car was positioned when first came down and discovered Maggie's body and Paul's body.
3: My knowledge to it would be limited to his description of having taken a very similar route back to the house. Right, right. But
0: I'd exact, close, but not exact. Yes, sir. and next shows the witness the now familiar image of a chicken coop next to the kennels.
1: Now, what is this green hedge or whatever?
3: If I'm not mistaken, it was a grapevine, but the structure on the other side of it, a chicken coop.
1: Okay. And do you remember how tall that grapevine was?
3: I don't know exactly, but looking at the uh, image, it's fairly tall. Ten feet? I would say at least.
1: At least. Now, if you were at the house looking down this way, there's some pine trees between this area and the
3: house? There are, sir.
1: And then there's, uh, if you're trying to look at the dog pens, there's obviously a 10-foot at least vine.
3: Grapevines? vines? Grapevine, yes, sir.
1: 10 feet tall. So you could not see from the house the dog kennel because of the pine trees and the and the grapevine. correct?
3: I would venture to say you could not see okay. the position of Paul or Maggie's body from the house. At night? At night.
1: Right. And this, this is not a well-lit area down here, is it?
3: I don't recall it being extremely well lit. No, sir. There was some artificial light, but I wouldn't call it extremely well lit.
0: Harpoodlian puts up on the courtroom TV screens footage of a black truck taken in daylight under a shelter area on the side of the airplane hangar.
1: And this was on the next morning? Yes, sir. That black truck. Whose black truck is that?
3: That's the vehicle that we checked that evening that I believe is was titled as a farm truck, just uh, around the farm truck.
1: Is that the one you checked to see if it had been driven lately?
3: That's the one that uh, Detective Rutland and I looked to see if those wet tire impressions matched up to the position of that vehicle when we arrived. Those particular impressions did not, and the vehicle was not warm to the touch.
1: Okay, but that would have been the night, previous night?
3: The night of the incident when we arrived, yes, sir.
1: The night prior to this, could Paul have driven that
3: truck down there? It would depend on what time he drove the truck down there, but the impressions that we were looking at that we referenced when asked earlier by the Assistant Attorney General, they did not come to the back of that vehicle. They didn't come from that vehicle. Did he drive that vehicle to the scene? I can't tell you that, yes or no, but the impressions that she and I were looking at did not match the position of that vehicle. Right. Yes, sir.
1: But Paul earlier could have driven that down.
3: It's very feasible he could have driven anything out there that night, earlier in that day, but just not that vehicle for those particular set of impressions.
0: Harpudlian continues to play the footage taken the day after the murders and pauses it on an image of the area near the kennels and feed room.
1: So the tracks that you found from the caretaker, where were they?
3: In the image that you're looking at now, ladies and gentlemen, they would have been to the right of the open door in the center, underneath that large lean-to section. So the so right side of the- Come down here and point it out for me. The You can actually see the agent feet there where she's still actually processing. Okay. Were
1: there any other tire tracks that y'all processed other than those tire tracks?
3: To my knowledge, that was the only set that wasn't damaged by weather.
1: So, and this road here goes out to Moselle Highway,
3: right? If you were to take the right T there, by the uh, silver trucks, yep. if you took the right, that would go out to Moselle Road. The left just loops around the airplane hangar. Okay,
1: and if the fire chief had indicated there were tire impressions back here in the dirt, you would have taken pictures or gotten plastic ass or something, right?
3: If I had been made aware that there was something there that someone thought may possibly be evidence, I would have done my best to secure it, okay. but I was not made aware of any okay. of that. Thank
0: you. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we continue our look at the testimony of Colleton County Sheriff's Captain Jason Chapman, the senior officer who responded to the scene of the Murdoch murders. Also, check out the new Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.